0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who gives us a choice, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. We're in a Lutheran church, which means that uh, probably quite a few of you that are baptized probably were baptized as infants. So let's just take a little bit of a straw poll here. And um, if you've been baptized in this room and you were baptized as an infant, go ahead and shoot your hand up. Okay, shoot them up high, shoot them up high. Good, good. Uh, infant meaning, uh, let's say, below toddler age. Um, good. So, quite a few of you, right? I, absolutely. Um, and, and so, um, you've probably, since we live in the South, you've probably gotten questions about that from somebody or something uh, about, well, why weren't you able to make a choice? Because when you're an infant, you don't get to choose. I've baptized a bunch of infants. They don't get the cheers. In fact, it's kind of fun to see when they kind of are surprised by the whole baptism process. And uh, when the water comes and they go, whoa, what's going on here? Because they didn't choose that. Now, if you were baptized and you were baptized at an older date, then you were able to choose. You were able to say, okay, well, I want to be baptized. And so there's oftentimes a lot of kind of confusion and a lot of questioning about, okay, well, um, if I was baptized as an infant, then why didn't I get a choice. Why didn't I get to choose to be a follower of Jesus? Why was that just kind of literally poured upon me? And that's kind of the the big question in a lot of ways today. And since so many of you in this room were baptized as infants, hopefully it's a question that will, by the end of this thing, give you a little bit more assurance in what it actually means to be baptized, what it means to be a baptized child of God. And that doesn't just apply to those of you that were baptized as infants, but all of you who are baptized. Because that's the big thing of what Paul is talking about here in the book of Galatians. What Paul is talking about to the Galatians is that they should go back to those baptism promises. Because here's what ha- has happened in Galatia. And if you've been running along with us in this sermon series, you'll just have to, uh, I will have to apologize to you. You're going to hear the same thing and the whole background of what it means to be a Christian in Galatia. Paul came to Galatia. Paul said, this is what the gospel is. Paul made sure that a bunch of those people in Galatia were baptized, and they were baptizing other people. Then came the baddies. And the baddies were these people that were false apostles. And these false apostles were coming from Jerusalem. And these false apostles were saying, it is non-Christian to eat bacon. Which I mean, yeah, why, why would you follow that person? But anyway... They they also said that in order to be a Christian, well, you have to follow the ceremonial laws of, uh, of of Judaism. What you have to also do in order to be a Christian is you have to make sure that your diet is right. What you also have to do in order to be a Christian is make sure that you fulfill all of these different things. And then, then you will actually be a Christian. Because what Christianity meant to the false apostles is that, well... It's just kind of an add-on to Judaism. And if you don't have the Judaism to start with, you can't have the add-on. And Paul was saying, no, 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 no. If anything, the Judaism is the add-on, and the baptism is the central thing. And so, then we get back to our baptisms. And... When I was baptized, I wasn't given a choice about it. My parents, I was a couple weeks old. My parents decided that they were going to haul me into a chapel and that they were going to baptize me. And my dad baptized me because he's a pastor in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in a totally different language because we were in the Philippines at the time. And I didn't have anything to say about it. In fact, I, never even, I don't even remember the building that I was baptized in because by the time that I was old enough to remember that building, it had been torn down. Yeah. But to us humans, our memories, they, they mean stuff to us. Our, our memories are important to us. And because of that, a lot of times that memory of making a choice is important to us. And that's why in a a lot of Christian circles, the really kind of most important date that you can have in your life is that moment that you, quote-unquote, decided to follow Jesus. Because memories are important. We recognize that memories are important. And memories are a good thing. I don't have a memory of my baptism, and if you were one of those people in here that raised your hands, you probably don't have a memory of it either. And so it sounds kind of weird when Luther says, well, remember your baptism, because you go, "Mm, I can't. Sorry. But what Luther is meaning by that is he's meaning, remember that you are baptized, And that's the message that he's getting across to the Galatians here. He's saying, remember that you're baptized. Remember that this is the most important thing. And everything else is add on. And that your baptism is important. Because at your baptism, you received the ability to make a choice. Now, if there are Lutherans in this room, what I just said probably put you a little bit on edge. Because, well... Lutherans, kind of culturally, historically, any time that there is any mention of a choice, well, we get kind of mm, edgy. Oh, Choice? I don't get to make choices. God makes all of the choices in my life, thank you very much, except for when I sin, and, well, those are all mine, yeah. But there's a reality to choice, There's a reality to the choices that are being talked about in our Bible readings today, right? There's a reality to the fact that when Jesus goes to a number of people, that they make a choice to say back to him, Oh, well, uh, thanks for the invitation, but uh, can I go bury my father first? Thanks for the invitation. Can I go have lunch first? Um, Thanks for invitation, Can I go and do this? And and I think that's where a lot of us are at at times when God comes to us in in our lives and God gives us choices and he says, well, uh, I would like you to do this uh, or even I command you to do this. And we say, well, you know, thanks, God, but um, I'd like to do this first. There's this particularly nasty sin, God, that I have been just waiting to do. And I will follow you. But this first. This one, right? Yeah, that one. Uh, so give me about an hour or two and we, I'll get this done and then we'll go. And that's a choice. And, and those are the kind of choices that Paul is talking about here in this part of Galatians. Where he's saying that there, there's a choice. There, he, he's got these two lists. And the one list looks like, well, what happens at FSU on Saturday night? And the other list looks like, oh, well, we we know that one. That's the fruit of the spirit, love, patience, peace, joy, all that. And we know that to us, that feels like a choice. I can choose to do something from column A, or I can choose to do something from column B. That seems like a choice to us, because it is. And so you get you get this kind of choice thing that matters in Scripture. You have this choice thing, and then you have, well, these moments where you actually don't get a choice. You have this moment in Elijah and Elisha's life, where Elijah, uh, it's a bizarre thing if you are just picturing this in your head. Elijah is walking by, and he takes off his uh, cloak or mantle, as it were, and uh, he throws it on Elisha. And, uh, Blake, did you have a choice? Okay, uh, you, you didn't want it to hit the floor. You did have a choice to catch it or not, right? OK, right. Yeah. Um, and, and and so there's a choice there, but there's not a choice there. Right. Would have hit my mom. Yeah, right. <laughs> we we have the choice to dodge and let it hit somebody else. I wasn't even going there in that sermon, uh, in the sermon. But so, there's that choice there to catch it or not. But there's not a choice that Blake had in terms of my throwing it at him. That was going to happen. He could choose to catch it, or he could choose not to catch it. But if I didn't throw it at him, just like in the kid's message with the dollar, if I didn't give them the dollar, if I didn't give Adam the dollar, he couldn't do anything with it that's where we're at in our baptized lives is that, well, the thing about kind of broad evangelicalism, if you want to call it that, the kind of um, a Christianity at large when it says that the most important thing is that you make a decision is that it kind of negates the decision that was most important there in the first place, which is the decision for God. To give his only son. And when we approach our decision and when we approach our lives as Christians in such a way that it makes it look like God already had those options out there for us, we start to go a little bit far afield. The most important thing about Christianity is that God gave you a choice. Without God sending his son to die on the cross, to pay for your sins already 2,000 years ago, before you were born, it was already paid for. But if he didn't do that, you wouldn't have a choice. If you weren't baptized... wouldn't have a choice if you didn't hear from God that he loves you you wouldn't have a choice if for some reason you were locked away in a room right after you were born you wouldn't have a choice unless God did something miraculous thankfully he did and thankfully that choice was to give you Jesus The way that I've talked about this dynamic before, which is kind of sketchy, especially for you who are parents, um, uh, is the baby in the brick metaphor. It's probably not my most PC metaphor ever, but here it is. When God baptizes you, it's like the Holy Spirit is throwing a brick at a baby's head. If that brick hits that baby's head, that baby's life is going to be changed forever. The baby can move its head. But the Holy Spirit is going to keep on throwing the brick. And maybe that baby will grow up and get very adept at dodging the brick. But the Holy Spirit is still going to keep on throwing the brick and trying to change your life. And when it hits, your life is changed forever. Not because you have a massive head wound. but because you have a choice. And maybe choice is the wrong way of saying this after all. It's really option. There's something a little bit different that we feel when we hear option. Without Jesus dying on the cross, without your baptism, without all of that, you don't have the option. With Jesus dying on the cross, you have the option to even choose from the wrong column of things in Galatians 5 and to receive forgiveness. Because that's what it means to be a Christian. And that's what it means to be justified to have your life changed in such an amazing way that any choice that you actually do make is one that you can always come to God with. Whether that was a choice to do the right thing or it was a choice to do the wrong thing, that you can come to God and you can say, this is what I've done. And God will say, you are my justified Child. That's what it means for us to be a Christian. And that's what it means to be justified. Amen.